In 2010, Indiana education officials agreed to join 44 other states in the District of Columbia and use the same expectations for all students, the Common Core Standards. Since that decision, Indiana's teachers have adjusted curriculum and lesson plans to meet these standards and taught students using them. But earlier this week, Governor Mike Pence signed legislation removing Indiana from the Common Core. Indiana is the first state to do so. And he charged state education officials with writing new ones before next school year. That process is underway now. I'm Bob Salzberg, and today on Noon Edition, we will discuss what the future of Indiana's classrooms might look like, share your experiences, and hear from major stakeholders in the issue after this hour's news. Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, voice, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net. And from IU School of Public Health Bloomington, addressing public health needs by preventing disease, promoting health, and improving quality of life across the state and around the world through research, teaching, and community engagement offering undergraduate and advanced degrees, publichealth.indiana.edu. Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times. Indiana was one of 45 states that adopted the Common Core Academic Standards in 2010. But this week, Governor Mike Pence signed legislation withdrawing Indiana from the Common Core. Now, the State Board of Education is writing its own standards for Indiana school children, leaving many teachers, students, and parents in limbo. Today on Noon Edition, we're going to look at the controversy surrounding the Common Core, and we'll talk about what the new draft standards look like. We're going to talk about what's next for Indiana students. We have uh, four guests who are going to be joining us on the program today. I'm here in the studio with Ellie Moxley, who's State Impact Indiana reporter for uh, WFIU and for Indiana Public Media. Uh, we also have joining us by phone State Senator Jim Banks. And for the first half of the program, joining us by phone will be Danielle Shockey. She's the Deputy, Deputy Superintendent of the Indiana Department of Education. And then in the second half of the show, we're also going to be joined by Amy Marsh of the Indiana Chamber of Commerce. If you have questions or comments about the Common Core, you can join the program by calling 855-0811 in Bloomington or one eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight. You can also join the live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition and you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, the Twitter handle is at noon edition. So before we bring the other guests in, I want to turn to Ellie. Ellie Moxley has been covering this from uh, the beginning and so I want to sort of get a um, get your feel, Ellie, for the overall issue, kind of explain to those, re- those uh, listeners who might be coming in late to this issue, what's going on? So Indiana adopted the Common Core back in 2010. <clears throat> Typically, setting academic standards is something that's done by the State Board of Education. Uh, Indiana has historically had pretty good standards. In 1999, state lawmakers kind of tasked state education officials with writing what they they wanted were clear, concise, and jargon-free academic standards. And Indiana has consistently had probably within the top five states in the country. And, and that's not the same everywhere. There's There's been states that, you know, they just didn't have strong expectations for students, even if they did have state standards. So what kind of happened here is Indiana adopted the Common Core in 2010. Uh, schools started rolling it out that next academic year. And, you know, some parents in Indiana didn't like the changes that they saw because of the Common Core. They felt like the state should leave the Common Core and write their own expectations or else go back to the old standards because, again, they they were pretty good. Uh, so they, you know, they petitioned state lawmakers uh, first starting in 2012. Uh, didn't, their challenge didn't go anywhere. Then in 2013, last session, uh, their legislation kind of took hold. Uh, Indianapolis Senator Scott Schneider was kind of the driving force behind uh, this discontent with Common Core. There are a lot of uh, conservative senators 
in Indiana, uh, conservative state lawmakers who are very worried um, about federal intrusion into state level academic policy. They don't like the idea that Indiana would be doing the same thing as other states. And they're very concerned that some of this directive could be coming from the federal government, even though in, in the beginning, these standards were written by kind of an independent consortium. So last year, they kind of put the Common Core on notice. They they agreed to pause rollout of the standards and review them and possibly pick another direction for Indiana. At the time, it, it was hard to tell what, what direction it would go. Uh, state edu- the State Board of Education had not changed significantly in makeup. They had all voted unanimously in 2010 to adopt the standards. Um, and kind of as the review went on, it became clear that the expectation would be that Indiana write their own standards. And, and those, those next standards are going to look like some hybrid between the Common Core, Indiana's old expectations for students, standards in other states, and kind of best practices from the field. Mm-hmm. All right. So State Senator Jim Banks is on the phone with us. Uh, State Senator, uh, thank you for being here. And uh, I wanted to ask you about this issue because I know you were one of the senators who was in favor of, of dumping the Common Core and, and writing, having Indiana write its own standards. So why do we need to do this? Well, thank you for um, having this important discussion this afternoon. I thought Ellie did a great job of explaining the intricacies of the issue uh, Senate Bill 91, which the governor signed into law just a few days ago, is a product of really three years of, of work that has occurred here at the State House. that's been driven by, um, by really uh, folks on both sides of the aisle. It's been driven by a public sentiment toward uh, the concept, the idea of Common Core, that we would allow uh, a national entity, a federal government, uh, intercede into what has traditionally been the, the responsibility of, of our state government and local officials. That's why I, I support uh, the outcome of Senate Bill 91. I, I'm, I'm the first to uh, agree, though, that after three years of learning more about Common Core, that there are some merits to this discussion. But ultimately, these decisions need to be made uh, closer to home, not in Washington, D.C., and that's what Senate Bill 91 will lead to is that control remaining in Indiana rather than giving it away to another entity. Senator, this seems to me uh, like it, it's been a bit of a, a shift in in uh, the political landscape because uh, uh, Governor Daniel supported the Common Core, and, uh, of course, Tony Bennett was a big supporter of the Common Core. And, you know, they're, they're out of the picture now, but, they're, you know, the, their party is still in charge. So can you talk a little bit about the you know, how did politics enter in, into this? Is it a different sort of political uh, feeling in the in the the state senate and the house now? Uh, really, that's a that's a, an excellent point because I believe the public would have had the same sentiment uh, four years ago when Common Core was adopted that they do today if they would have known anything about it. And it w- it wasn't until the public began to learn more about what Common Core ultimately meant. Um, in giving up control uh, of our standards at the state level, which traditionally, as Ellie uh, explained, has, has traditionally been very good in the state of Indiana to a federal entity, I think that would have bothered the constituents in my district who I hear from every day. I think it would have bothered them just as much four years ago as it does today. But the more that they learn about it, uh, the more upset and outraged they are. I, I tell folks all the time, now that we're back in our, our districts after the session is over, uh, there is no issue that I hear more feedback about than more than Common Core. It's not the marriage amendment. It's not issues like right to work or daylight savings times. It's the it's the issue of Common Core that folks want to talk about. I don't think it's a shift in ideology uh, or, or public sentiment. Uh, I think it's just a matter of the education that the public has received. And one of the greatest complaints about all of this that's an important part of the discussion is how uh, little uh, little to to know feedback at all that the teachers, that the public had uh, into the decision to adopt Common Core four years ago uh, that didn't occur, that through our work over the past few years has finally occurred, and that's what's led to Senate Bill 91 being signed into law by our governor. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, again, I have a follow-up on, on that. I mean, I know that I certainly understand the sentiment that, you know, the the, um, the states have typically had uh, the responsibility for education, and uh, that makes a lot of sense to me. You use the word, you know, a lot of your constituents are outraged, and I just wondered, you know, what's in 
the Common Core. And you said that there are some good things in the Common Core, but can you give me some examples of things that are in the actual Common Core standards that uh, you or, or your constituents would consider outrageous? Well, that, yeah, that's a good. I mean, that's the, that's the important foundational point of the of the subject. Common Core is a is a good idea, but what my constituents are upset about, what I hear a great deal of feedback about, is just that concept at large of ceding uh, more authority to the federal government to uh, make decisions on our behalf about what uh, standards occur in our in our schools in the state of Indiana, rather than those decisions being made at home. At the end of the day. That's where my sentiment about this issue uh, uh, derives from, and that's why I feel passionately about uh, why Senate Bill 91, uh, Senate Enrolled Act 91, is important for uh, for the state of Indiana. Okay. Well, we're gonna. We also have on the phone um, uh, Danielle Shockey, who's the deputy superintendent of the Indiana Department of Education, and. Danielle, you're, you're uh, going to be involved in, in writing the future standards, so I want you to, to talk about that process and how, how do you think these standards uh, that are being written now are going to differ from the Common Core standards? Thank you very much, and I, I would say also the same to Ellie, that she did a great job kind of teeing up this conversation, and ultimately, um, after the passing of 1427, after the, the previous legislative session, the Department of Education was tasked with the State Board of Education of reviewing standards and making a recommendation. So ultimately, we have been in the process of reviewing, and also 1427 suggested that the, that review was a comprehensive evaluation of the Common Core standards, and that the state board shall implement standards with common core at the base. So all along, the idea of this evaluation outside of the common core was never really part of, we weren't doing away with all common core standards, but rather because they were our adopted standards, that's where we started from. And I love what Senator Banks said about educators in Indiana doing this work. We have had, through starting last July, August, teachers with over 400 years of classroom experience which equates to over 200 classroom teachers, and that doesn't even account for those that came to us from the college and the career um, spectrum of our state members who've done this work, but we've been evaluating the standards. And what that means is we have done a technical review, an evaluation team review, and now finally a college and career ready review of multiple sets of standards. We have reviewed for, and we're looking for what it is that Indiana students should know and be able to do. And so we looked at the Common Core Standards, we looked at the Indiana Academic Standards in Mathematics from the year of 2000 and those that were adopted in 2009 but never implemented. We reviewed the Indiana Academic Standards of 2006 for English Language Arts. We reviewed the standards that come from the National Council of Teachers of Mathematics and the National Councils of Teachers of Language Arts. The evaluation team, the technical team, the advisory team of educators reviewed each one of those in their entirety, meaning they looked at what's a good, strong, clear standard for a Hoosier student for what they should know and be able to do upon graduation. And then we took those and did a comparison. But when we did the comparison layer, it was origin free. So when the evaluation team came together, they had sets of standards organized in what we call concepts. So a concept would be something like, in mathematics, the concept of elementary algebra K through five. So as they looked at algebra, they said, okay, which one of these algebra standards is the clearest, is going to make sense to parents and students and teachers, and then that became part of the first draft. So at that point, it wasn't about where did this come from. It wasn't about the fact, was it in Indiana to start with, or was it a common core to start with, but rather, what was the best standard? And again, that work was being done by who's your teachers. So then those standards, and I, I might feel like I'm telling you too much right now of the process. Um, I don't know how far you want me to go. No, you're doing this. fine. You're doing Great. fine. Thanks. Because you can tell I'm kind of passionate. I've been, <laughs> this has been my, uh, my work now since, like I said, last uh, end of summer. So then they took, the, that was considered the first draft. That first draft went to the public hearings across the state where we had over 100 people come and testify. And then it went to online public comment where we received 2,600 plus change feedback on those draft standards. And um, so then those comments and feedback have continued to narrow the draft down to where it currently sits today. And as we speak, the, the panel of college and career ready experts are looking at the second 
draft, because the first draft, like I said, took into consideration all the public comment. The evaluation team narrowed it to a second draft. The College and Career Ready panel is now looking at that work, and they're looking at it from the lens of backwards. They're looking at it from, oh my gosh, if a student in Indiana graduated with this knowledge, would they be ready for the college? Would they be ready for the career at which some of the folks in the team represent? Would they be ready for industry? Would they be ready for military endeavors? So now we're looking at it from the 12 backwards perspective. Um, and intermixed in all of this work, we've also sent the standards out for national review from some various experts in the field. And those comments are coming back. And again, the evaluation team and the College and Career Ready panel are taking those into consideration. And all of this work is going to culminate here very soon when it comes before the Education Roundtable on April 21st. And then the Education Roundtable ultimately makes the recommendation to the State Board of Education for adoption. Sounds like a, a very uh, comprehensive and, and complex look at trying to set up these standards. I, I want to ask, um, you know, how different do you think they're going to wind up being from the Common Core? And, and is there an area that you can sort of point to and say, you know, the Common Core would have done this this way. Uh, we found we, we think a better way to do it in one, of, you know, one, one particular area. Sure. Um, so my background is as a classroom teacher and a school administrator. So when I start thinking about things like that, I have a hard time defining for you a great difference because mm-hmm. the example I like to give is, you know, historically a second grader learns how to subtract. Is a second grader going to continue to learn how to subtract in second grade, and is that reflected in the standards? Absolutely. I think um, – So to say, are they going to, I don't know how to say they're different or the same. Have we certainly taken a look at the origin and the source of, we also have in our drafts right now, we have things that have come from other states where the team said, you know what, we don't really think any of this reflects what it is we're trying to say a student should know and be able to do in second grade. Let's look outside. So we have some, we have some standards in our draft that actually have an origin of Massachusetts. We have some that have an origin of Virginia. Um, but when you try to start analyzing, and I have to tell you, certainly we did do some early analysis of origin, but that was after an early draft. We're now two drafts later. Um, and just to give you an example, within a strand, within, a, 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 let's say, K-5 math, to answer your question, in K-5 math, there's the strand of problem-solving, computation, algebra, geometry. So K-5 math, after the first draft, the algebra strand had as its origin, 17% of them came from the Common Core that had been adopted in Indiana in 2010. That means the other 83% came from other places, Uh and that's a low example. Then there were some strands, you know, again, let's take K-5 math and let's take computation. Its percentage was more like 54%, but again, that's never... That was never our lens for evaluation. Our lens for evaluation was what is the clearest, strongest, best-worded standard for students in Indiana. So I I, I just hesitate on that numbers and the origin question because it's really, at this point, so far removed from the process because we're really trying to create, like I said, standards written for for Hoosier students, by Hoosier students, evaluated by Hoosier teachers, and ultimately deemed college and career ready by Indiana College and Career and Business and, um, you know, life after high school. So, you know, yes and no okay. to your question. <laughs> I understand. I totally understand. Today we're uh, talking about elimination of the common core standards in Indiana. Uh, parents, if you're out there and you're worried about what's going on with the curriculum changing or if you have any questions or comments, if you're happy about the changes, uh, just give us a call, 855-0811 or 1-877-285-9348. You can also join the live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition. Ellie, you've been following this, and you've heard uh, Senator Banks and uh, Danielle Shockey. Anything to add to you know their perspectives? So all of the meetings to do this when educators have been sitting down in a room and kind of hashing out where standards belong, where standards should come from, is this the right standard, that's all been open to the public. They've been up in Indianapolis, and I've, I've sat in on a lot of those meetings, and the process is really interesting. And I think what we're going to get out of it are some subtle changes that, you know, a teacher is going to notice because it might shift um, 
responsibility for for one expectation from, say, sixth grade to fifth grade or, or vice versa. But in terms of what parents are going to see, I'm not sure if it's going to be uh, something that's very clear when, when we do make a shift from the common core to the next set of expectations. Because the bottom line is, you know, there's 290-something school corporations in Indiana, and even though all of them are going to be teaching the same standards, curriculum is something that's set at the local level. So just because your kid's doing Common Core and your neighbors – well, not your neighbor, but because they probably go to the same school, but say say your friends on the other side of town in a different school district are doing Common Core, it might look completely different in a fourth-grade classroom because of what – what textbooks the school has decided to use or uh, kind of which methods the school has decided to emphasize for teaching. So it's one of those things that I think some of the things we're seeing in terms of complaints about the Common Core uh, may go back to the curriculum level versus the standards level, how a school has decided to implement which parts of um, which kind of teaching strategies they've decided to use. Mm-hmm. All right. We have a phone call. So we're going to go to Jim on the phone. Jim's from Bloomington. Go ahead. Hello, Jim. Uh, this is John. John. Okay, John, go ahead. Um, I am curious as to how Common Core standards treated evolution and climate change and how the new standards will treat those subjects. Danielle, do you have a response? <laughs> you know, my first response is I don't, right now, the Common Core standards as well as the standards we're evaluating are English language arts and mathematics only. My um, my knowledge of evolution standards and or um, I think you said climate change, those are likely in science and social studies, and there have never been common core science or social studies standards. Okay. John? All right. Thank okay. you very much. All right. Thanks a lot for the call, John. Uh, our phone number is again 855-0811-1877-285-9348. You can also join the live chat at WFIU.org slash Noon Edition, or you can follow us on Twitter at noon edition. Um, Danielle Shockey, I wanted to ask you uh, also about the uh, the process going forward. You're just going to go to the, the Indiana the roundtable and then uh, the board will adopt them. Then how does it how does this information get to teachers, educators, and you know what do you think they're going to have any problem you know, making adjustments to get the to to start following you know a, new, a different set of standards by next fall. Sure, great question. I want to say to Ellie, I could not have said what she said better. I think she was amazing in describing the difference between standards, curriculum, instruction, because that, that I think, really fueled a great part of the debate um, beyond what Senator Banks said on the debate about Common Core and the idea of state sovereignty versus federal oversight, um, because I think she's right. I think a lot of the... Um, misunderstandings, if you will, don't necessarily aren't about the standards. It's rather how the local choice to teach something has, you know, felt to families. So to answer your exact question, we, first of all, are very excited that we're going to be able to get this process done by the end of April. It has been our goal that teachers will go home for the summer, so they'll have the month of May for the Department of Education to start doing some, you know, what we would call communication and getting this information in the hands of the teachers in the classrooms for them to know what they're going to teach when they come back in August. Do I think the average teacher will find, you know, a huge number of shifts, meaning if I've always taught third grade, is my math content, again, going to be mostly about the introduction of multiplication and so forth? Yes. Are there going to be some subtle differences that I want to be aware of because I want to make sure my students have the opportunity to learn before they're assessed on it later in fourth grade and I, on I-STEP and so forth. So, yes, does the Department of Education have an implementation plan? We do. The first step in an implementation plan is getting these to teachers in May. And then continued implementation includes things like crosswalks, meaning where are they different? We do things like vertical and horizontal articulation, meaning if you take something like computation, we compare for a first grade teacher, they'll receive what does it look like in kindergarten? What does it look like in my grade? What do they have to know for a second, when they go into second grade? So we do a lot of work to help teachers prepare for their standards. And we do this, again, consistently and every time there's any kind of shifts. We just adopted new social studies standards. This is the work of the Department of Education, and this is what we, um, this is part of our implementation practices. We have added in this time, though, a great emphasis on communication. We, um, 
we've spent a lot of time as we've drafted these standards this time to make sure and the evaluation team spent two days last week with one of their questions being, is this standard clear for parents? Meaning if I'm a mom at home and I'm trying to help my student with their homework and I want to go look at the standard, can I understand it? So we also will do things in our implementation work like glossaries and things on our website that are toolkits for both parents and teachers so they can, so they can un understand and support the standards in Indiana. Um, so all of those things are forthcoming, but the very first step in all of that is just to get these published in a way that teachers can feel like they know going into May and to summer what they're going to be teaching next fall. And then we kick off over the summer professional development across the state. We have 19 scheduled face-to-face -face through e-learning division where we will, you know, offer this for teachers to come and hear about us. We'll have WebExes. Um, so we have a multi-layered implementation plan ready to go. Okay. Well, we're going to take a quick phone call. And Danielle, I know you have to go soon, but and sure. Cinder Banks will be here for the second half of the show as well. But we'll go to the phones quickly to Wayne from Bloomington. Wayne? Hi. Hi, Wayne. Common Core or, or, or any other government-oriented standards consistently fail. The, the more bureaucratic our educational standards have become, the more they fail. Why is it that parents who don't have, they've never been to schools of education, they may not even, they may not even have graduated from college, can consistently educate their children to higher standards. They, those, those children educated at home consistently score higher on, on, on tests than, than students educated in some of our public schools. And some of our public schools are just terrible. Why is that? All right. Uh, thank you, Wayne. Uh, Danielle, I'm going to let you re react to Wayne's comments. Oh, wow. Um, well, as a mom of three and a teacher of special education, a teacher of general education, an administrator in a school with as high as 95% free and reduced lunch, I guess I would say our school system is a great school system, and I will, I will have that debate. <laughs> with anyone. Um, in terms of homeschooled students, absolutely. Are there great results in families who do that? There are. But are there great results coming out of our public school systems? There absolutely are. Um, standards are going to have existed and will always exist. It needs, we need to be clear what it is we expect our students, Indiana, regardless of where they're being taught, what they should know and be able to do. And I guess in knowing some homeschool families, they use our state standards as a basis for their instruction as well. So to think that they're teaching something different and getting their students ready for college or career in a different way, I would say I wouldn't necessarily agree with that because I would say regardless of the setting, private, public, or home, the standards are typically um, the driving behind what the content is they're being taught. All right. Danielle Shockey, thank you so much for joining us for the first half of the program today. We appreciate it. No problem. Uh, we're going to have State Senator Jim Banks and Amy Marsh from the Indiana Chamber of Commerce joining myself and Ellie Moxley uh, at this, during the second half of the show. You're listening to Noon Edition. We'll be right back. This is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville. Information at smithville.net. And IU School of Public Health Bloomington. Online at publichealth.indiana.edu. WFIU News covers South Central Indiana and the state each day. You can read news throughout the day as it's posted on our website at wfiu.org. And you can pick up a digest of all the top stories. It's like a newspaper delivered to your inbox each afternoon. It's a free and easy way to stay on top of not only the headlines, but also the in-depth audio, video, and print news stories you can't get anywhere else. Subscribe right now at WFIU.org news. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from the Herald Times. Today we're talking about Common Core and the fact that Indiana has become the first state out of the 45 that adopted it to 
drop out of Common Core and, and Indiana's re- rewriting uh, its standards and uh, adapting its own standards. Uh, we have three guests with us now for the second half of the program. State Senator Jim Banks is still with us by phone. I'm going to be back to him here in just a second. Uh, State Impact Indiana reporter Ellie Moxley is with us today. And also Amy Marsh from the Indiana Chamber of Commerce is joining us. Amy, thanks for being here. Thank you. And if you have any questions or comments, please call us at 855-0811 or 1-877-285-9348. You can also join a live chat at wfiu.org slash Noon Edition. And you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. Uh, before I bring Amy Marsh on, uh, Senator Banks, you've been uh, very patiently listening to a lot of the discussion and uh, you know, after we had you on early. Uh, I wanted to ask you, you know, how do you envision the – the state legislature monitoring, you know, how well or how how much different these standards are than the Common Core that that we've withdrawn from. Well, most of us would agree that the, the as you could tell from the discussion previously, these are complicated uh, issues, mm-hmm. and these aren't the types of issues that you want your state legislature necessarily being in the middle of. But it's the big, the big picture of the issue uh, that's led to legislation like Senate Bill 91, uh, legislation the last couple of years that have passed on these subjects that have brought public debate to our involvement in Common Core to begin with. That, that's what I'm, what, what's most troubling to me as we tried to unpack and discuss a little while ago is how an unelected entity an appointed entity could enter into a national agreement with what uh, was 45 other states around the country without the approval of the legislature. That's where the legislature should be involved when we, when we talk about the big picture and advancing uh, the cause of, of sort of the, the shell of the issue. We, all, we often defer to the superintendent, the State Board of Education, uh, and, and others to come up with the the intricacies of the policies, and that's that's what I think Senate Bill 91 did a took a, another big step toward uh, providing. That's why I support it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, Amy Marsh from the uh, Indiana Chamber of Commerce, the chamber did not support withdrawing from Common Core, correct? Um, that is correct. I would say on this bill we were neutral. Um, mm-hmm. We didn't oppose this bill um, because it did allow the state to adopt our own standards um, by Hoosiers for Hoosiers. Um, the, the primary purpose behind or the primary um, reason for our support of the Common Core has always been this focus on readiness and um, having a, a really comprehensive way to understand students' readiness for any post-secondary, um, post-high school option. Um, in particular, looking at, you know, how how many of the students in our state need remediation upon matriculation to higher education. And uh, we really believe that having the college and career readiness component within Common Core standards was essential. So on this bill, I would say we were neutral um, because it's still proposed to address that major issue. Could you talk just in general about um, the idea of the, the Chamber of Commerce, which is considered a, you know, a business advocacy organization, and its, um, its interest in education and its advocacy for education? How do those two things go together? Yeah, they, they are really um, married um, completely. And uh, I, I joined the Chamber recently um, with a full education background and and have worked in K-12 systems um, most of my career. They are married really because when we are supportive to our business community, we can be really supportive to them by working with their emerging workforce needs. Our emerging workforce is our K-12 and higher ed system. So the future of of our economic um, health in the state is really dependent upon um, our our public school systems. All right, we have a phone call, so uh, let's go to Kevin, who's on the line. Kevin, uh, yeah, I have a question about um, testing and uh, how the decision to withdraw from Common Core, <clears throat> um, how that factors into the fact that now we have an additional test that we'll have to give. I know I teach, and I, and I feel like we give 
I step twice a year now. Um, Acuity, another test, we give it three times. And then now there's going to be another test in addition to that. And it, it just feels like it's a lot of testing. I'm curious to know, will we still be giving um, the new test if we kept Common Core or if that is only a result of withdrawing from Common Core? Nellie? Um, I think I think you, your question gets to an interesting question. You know, we've seen in Indiana Tea Party obs- opposition, conservative opposition to the standards um, from people who are very concerned about the federal government intruding on on education policy. I've also heard you know Common Core support described in terms of you know liberals who are very concerned about the number of standardized tests and parents who are very concerned about their that effect on their kids education right now what indiana is doing is we're still taking i step that tests our old standards the standards we had before the common core this year we're going to roll out a new uh kind of uh we're going to pilot a, a a short test it's not as long as as the i step uh, it's it's just the multiple choice po- portion of the test called core And the idea is to be able to see how students react to kind of a new testing environment. They're going to ask the questions in different ways. They're going to, you know, for example, kids might drag and drop an answer versus just clicking on a bubble. Or they're going to have to read a text uh, passage and highlight something that's the main idea versus just, again, like maybe replicating the text off to the side and, you know, bubbling the answer in. So that's what's happening this year. Now, next year, we're going to have uh, kind of two different things we're testing. State lawmakers have said, let's give I-STEP for one more year during this transition period. That's part of legislation that passed in 2013. But Indiana also has a separate agreement with the federal government that says that we're going to give a test that assesses college and career readiness. And we don't know much about that test yet. We don't know what it's going to test because our standards aren't finished. We don't know who's going to provide that test. That's going to be, uh, you know, a, a proposal that comes out probably later this summer in terms of, you know, who's going to build that test and what it's going to look like. Um I think it's going to be – I think to say next year whether or not we're going to have to give two tests yet, it, it's going to be – that. that's kind of a hard thing to say. You know, state education officials have told me that, you know, it's it's kind of part of the same thing, the I-STEP and the college and career-ready test that's coming. In all likelihood from a tech setup, these computer labs are going to have to be reset between tests. Kids are going to have to sit for two sessions. So I feel like that's going to feel like a lot to parents, like that is two separate distinct tests because in all likelihood their kids are going to be tested on, you know, multiple days. Senator Banks uh, or Amy Marsh, do you have anything to add to that? Well, but, uh, I, I, would, I, will, uh, I would add that much of the opposition in my district has come from, from teachers who are concerned that with the, with the changes in curriculum that Common Core would, would ultimately bring about comes the increased uh, attention to standards, which, which ultimately leads to more standardized tests. And um, you know, m- many of us conservatives as well as liberals are concerned about that environment in the classroom. So that those are issues that we discuss in the Senate Education Committee. That that will be an issue of of uh, continued uh, discussion throughout our summer study committees, as well as the Senate Education Committee. And th- those are issues that we have to take into account when we talk about Common Core. All right, Amy. I yeah, I would. I think Kevin has asked the the best question here, and that is about the, um, regarding what's the impact of assessment. He's he's looking at what's next. Um, we'll get a new set of standards. What then? Um, our we have big concerns about assessment, and that is um, really around fiscal impact of of the assessment. Um, and I think Ellie mentioned that, and the senator is certainly going to be looking at that. Um, we want to make sure that students have what's known as opportunity to learn, meaning they have the opportunity to have enough time in the classroom to um, master the standards, the new standards, before they're being tested on those standards, where in many cases there are some high stakes to those assessments, um, such as high school graduation. Um, And we want to make sure that our assessments still have a meaningful relationship to an accountability system and to teacher evaluations um, so that that teachers um, have the opportunity to teach the the standards for which their students will be assessed. So the assessment question is a really, really big, huge question because there are so many other pieces that kind of fit within that question. Um, It's 
you know, the volume of, of assessment is one of the considerations, but all of these other opportunities to learn um, are also a big part of that. All right, you're listening to Noon Edition on WFIU, and we're talking about the Common Core, and we want to hear from parents and teachers and anyone else out there who has an opinion on the Common Core standards and Indiana's uh, withdrawal from Common Core. Do you support that decision, and uh, do you uh, do you expect many changes going forward? If you want to give us a call, please call 855-0811 in Bloomington or 877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington area. Or you can join a live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition. Or you can follow us on Twitter at noon edition. We have another call, so let's go to Todd. Todd's from Indianapolis. Hi, thank you. I just recently moved back from Texas to uh, Indiana, and I'm a parent of a high school senior. And I'm curious the group that was behind the removal or the opposition of the Common Core curriculum, is this a lead-up to a, to a uh, Georgia type or uh, any other state that's tried to insert uh, ID or creationism teaching into science? Senator Banks, I'll let you take that one. Uh, I, I don't think so. I mean, you, you, uh, you mentioned Texas. Texas is one of the states that has resisted Common Core all along because they, they were one of the a handful of states that recognize these are decisions that should be left to state and, and locally elected school boards to uh, of what uh, curriculum, what standards to maintain in our schools. And at the end of the day, as, as I've tried to as I've tried to explain throughout this program and explain to many others, that at the end of the day, as a lawmaker, that's what this discussion comes back to for me: that uh, these are decisions that should be left to Hoosiers to make, not to uh, someone, others in Washington, D.C., to decide what curriculum should occur in Indiana schools. So at the end of the day, that's, uh, that's, the, that's what we've accomplished with Senate Bill 91 is to maintain uh, those decisions in Indiana to make the best decisions, which might, as we've, as we've discussed throughout this program, include uh, many of the concepts of Common Core. But by maintaining those decisions, we maintain the ability uh, to change our standards and curriculum in the future as well. That's why it's so important. And Amy Marsh, I, I w- want to give you an opportunity to respond to that too. I mean, in, in this discussion, have you seen any anything that you would believe to be sort of, I guess, uh, uh, agenda-driven uh, in terms of what should go into these standards? I, I, mean, I, I haven't. Um, I, I think... Uh, we're uh, no. Okay, I think we've lost. We may have lost Amy, so we're going to go back to we're going to go back to asking some other questions. So, um, Senator Banks, I wanted to uh, to ask you if you've heard from other um, you know other lawmakers from around the country. I mean, there's been some discussion that perhaps the um, you know a lot of other states are going to start pulling out of Common Core. Indiana was just the first. Is this something that you would expect to see? Uh, it is. It is exactly what I expect to see. I. I have um, the more I've learned about the subject, the more intriguing I find it to be. I've, I've attended uh, different uh, meetings at the at the national level with other legislators who are uh, who who have the same mindset that I do. Um, the more that they understand about Common Core and and the ability to of their states to maintain some of these decisions uh, locally rather than. Uh, at a government level further away, the more troubled they are by that. And I, I happen to share my, my office at the State House with Senator Schneider, who introduced Senate Bill 91. And the number of lawmakers from around the country that reach out to him personally is, is, uh, is uh, fairly significant. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I'm, I've followed this issue not just in Indiana but across the country, and I think that uh, I think Senator Banks is absolutely right when he says, you know, that this is something that people are really waking up to. They're they're really starting to question and kind of push back against the decision uh, that was made in 2010 by a lot of states to to join the Common Core. I think what's really interesting in all this is. Academic standards typically are not something that get a lot of attention, and I think they are getting attention because they've been kind of uh, tied to the idea of, you know, a national product, something that we all share. I, I think it's great that parents are getting more involved in kind of what they're seeing at their classroom. 
I think only time will tell whether or not Indiana is the first state to pull out of Common Core or or perhaps the only state. Uh, you know, there's five states that have not formally adopted both the math and English language arts standards to begin with, and all of them have moved closer to the Common Core, even though they did not formally adopt the standards. And I think it's also important to note that Indiana is kind of in a unique position among states because there are a lot of people who would say, you know, the Common Core is not as strong as what we had before, or it's, you know, it it's not necessarily a huge improvement over the standards that Indiana had previously. And honestly, in a lot of states, you cannot say that. they did. Uh, there are other states who, who consistently had standards that were not well-ranked, not well-regarded, not good standards. And I think that for those states, the work coming up with, co- with standards that are separate from the Common Core would be much more extensive than what Indiana has had to do. Okay. We have uh, another phone call, but first I want to uh, welcome Amy Marsh back. I think Amy's back, right? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I am. Good. Glad to have you back. So uh, we have a call from Susan. Susan? Good morning. Hi. Go ahead. Well, I uh, appreciate everything that uh, has been discussed this morning. It's helped frame out the issues for me. I was a little confused about them. Um, the one thing I have not heard anyone address is the issue that our students are going to graduate from college. I appreciate very much bringing in the career professionals, but I also wonder why I haven't heard anyone talking about college admissions. Uh, As our students face placement throughout the country and and the world, um, what I am not hearing is anything about confidence of our students being competitive with other students who might go through a different Common Core process, or how admissions offices in general might look at those standards. I just, I'm not sure how to make sense of that, but it's kind of fumbled around. But uh, let me know what you think about that concept. All right, interesting question. Um, Senator Banks, do you want to take a crack at it first? Yeah, sure. Uh, very quickly, it's, that's an important aspect of the entire conversation. If, if we can all agree that in Indiana our standards were good before Common Core, uh, that they that they can continue to be good uh, after uh, the passage of Senate Enrolled Act 91 and the governor uh, signing that into law. I, I believe it's our job in Indiana as, as policymakers to make our standards uh, among, if not the best, among the best in the country so that colleges and universities around the entire country uh, look to students who come from Indiana and know that they are prepared and uh, ready to enter their programs and ultimately in, enter the workforce. That, that's what that's the foundation of what this topic, this subject, is all about, and uh, it's why we why we take it so seriously at the state house. Amy Marsh from the Indiana Chamber of Commerce. Yeah, I do. We do appreciate at the chamber the uh, mention in Senate Bill ninety one of readiness for the SAT and ACT. Those are the really the two areas where we are well able to compare student um, admission uh, to every other state in the nation because every student takes one of those if they are intending to enroll in any selective institution. So um, we appreciate that that language is, is in there, and I think those assessments are kind of that, um, that neutralizer that um, give admission offices the ability to compare students across state lines, across um, country, various countries, um, because as Ellie did such a great job um, kind of describing earlier, there's always going to be a big difference in curriculum. Um, there's a difference in curriculum and, and pedagogy from one district to another, um, and, and that's always going to be the case, um, because Indiana allows for local control over those pieces. So, yeah, colleges will need that ability to, to use SAT and ACT in the future, and that we are considering those two assessments with the development of our standards is really important. There's a, uh, a, a story on the WFIU uh, website that Ellie Moxley did uh, called 10 Questions About Academic Standards You Were Afraid to Ask. And I'm going to ask her to answer one of them, which is, uh, I've lived in this state for a long time, but I don't remember fighting about standards before. Is this normal? I don't 
don't know if it is normal. I think I think that I think Senator Banks did a very good job earlier of kind of outlining why people are so concerned now. I've heard before from actually people who have been very engaged in this fight and want Indiana out of Common Core that they didn't maybe have as much of a problem about this process being quieter and, you know, less controversial, done more at the state education official level when the standards we were considering considering had been kind of homegrown, generated here in Indiana. Their point was when you bring in standards from an outside source, they need to undergo more scrutiny than they would if they were if they were kind of engineered here. I, I spend a lot of time talking to uh people who are on, say, the State Board of Education, people who have been historically responsible for this. And I think they kind of feel an interesting tension in all of this because I still think a lot of them think that the big idea of the Common Core is something that Indiana should strive for. But at the same time, you know, they also are getting all kinds of feedback from from the field and from from state representatives that they would that they're going to need to make some changes to these standards to make them Indiana specific. So. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if this is still I – know, I know Senator Banks says that he gets a lot of feedback from, from this issue more so than on other issues. But our poll numbers that we're getting consistently, national polls, Indiana polls, are saying that this is still not a huge voting issue. At the end of the day, we have people who are very engaged around this issue here in Indiana. But I am not entirely certain if your average parent – is as connected to this issue as they might be more willing to, you know, vote on jobs, the economy, uh, other social issues. Mm-hmm. Senator Max, do you want to respond to that? I mean, from a, um, you know, a campaigning standpoint, is this an issue that's going to get people excited? Uh, I, I believe uh, absolutely. And, and when it comes to the election that's less than five weeks away, which is a primary election, and for re- Republicans like myself, we're dealing with that segment of the of the voting population who uh, is substantially interested in in this issue. It's the reason why former Florida Governor Jeb Bush and his uh, education reform organization, uh, who is very supportive of Common Core, uh, is working currently toward an effort to rebrand the issue, do a better job of of um, communicating and and educating the public about this issue because when it comes to especially the Republican primary voting population uh, this is an issue that is of of significant interest. I I come from a Republican part of the state in northeast Indiana. My my district is is, uh, much more Republican than it is Democrat Uh, so perhaps um, uh, perhaps uh, uh, that that, uh, the previous statement is correct that it's not a, 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 a huge issue among the voting population at large, but the voters that I hear from that come from my area are very interested in this issue. Well, I think it's, I think you'd be safe to say that education is a big issue for pretty much all voters, too, just in general. So uh, we are out of time, and I want to thank our guest today, State Senator uh, Jim Banks. Thanks for joining us from Columbia City, correct? Yes, sir. All right. And Danielle Shockey was with us for the first half of the program. Uh, Amy Marsh has been here from the Indiana Chamber of Commerce. And Ellie Moxley, the State Impact Indiana reporter, has been sitting in as uh, sort of, uh, well, mainly a guest, but I I think an unofficial co-host today. So for producer Claire McInerney and engineer Mike Pashkash, I'm Bob Salzberg. Thanks for listening. Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, voice, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net and from IU School of Public Health Bloomington, addressing public health needs by preventing disease, promoting health, and improving quality of life across the state and around the world through research, teaching, and community engagement, offering undergraduate and advanced degrees, publichealth.indiana.edu.